I think for you and I, a lot of our healing in times of suffering, in times of pain, in times where our bodies physically and mentally and emotionally can't handle what this world is throwing at us, God says, just go where I'm sending you and trust in me as you go. Go where I'm sending, it'll be okay. And some days may be easier than others. And maybe we receive some of that healing we're looking forward to. Maybe we don't. But there's a promise that we need to hold to. In Revelation, the whole book describes the coming of the Lord. And in chapter 20 and 21, (coughs) he describes when he comes that there will be no more sickness or sorrow, no more tears or pain, no more death. And he describes what that will be like. The very end of the book. The final words of God to us, his people. He says, behold, I'm coming soon. Behold, I'm coming soon. And John and the church and the spirit and all the people begin to cry out, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. And the Bible ends here. He who testifies to these things, that is John, the one who has this vision of God making all of our broken bodies whole. He says, surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. For you and for me, when our sin is overwhelming, when our bodies are broken, whether it's because we sinned or not, when we're suffering in this world, this is our cry. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Because on that day when he returns... He will take away all of our sickness and all of our brokenness and all of our imperfect bodies will be transformed in the blinking of an eye to be perfect bodies forever. But until that day, we go where he sends us. And when we meet people who are suffering and struggling, whose bodies are broken and their sickness is overwhelming, who cannot see or are blind from birth, when we meet people in this place, we don't ask God, why have you done that? But now we say, what now, God? What are you doing now through that and with that? And we get to be the people who offer hope and comfort and say, I know you're broken and hurting right now. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. It'll be okay. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8, located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. I had the opportunity to meet several of you today who are here for the very first time. So for those of you who are here for the very first time, thank you. I know it can be a scary thing to come into a new church and say, what am I to expect? What will I encounter? And I want you to hear it from me over and over again. You're loved. And I hope that's what you experience here today with us. And for those of you who've been here a hundred times, you're also loved, okay? That love doesn't stop just because you're no longer new. I promise. 
Thank you for joining us today. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor here at The Point, and we are in a series called Imperfect. Anybody in here imperfect? A couple of you aren't raising your hands. Either you're not honest, or I have a lot to learn. We are all imperfect in various ways. We talked about how we are imperfect people, which makes us an imperfect church, and sometimes we won't get it right. We have relationships that are imperfect and broken, and sometimes the very people we love the most, we hurt the most. How do we live as imperfect people? Now today we are talking in our last week of this series about imperfect bodies. Does anybody in here have a body that's not quite perfect? I know we're a month into the new year, so most of you are doing really well with your new year's resolution to have like the perfect body in 2020, right? You're halfway there to being ready for your, your summer body. Anybody? No? Anybody even like gone to the gym more than four times this month? Hey, well done. Did you do that last month too, or is it a new thing? Okay, so it's normal for you. You didn't start anything new. I recognize that having a body like this takes a lot of work. I don't know if you know that. Having a body like I have, it takes a lot of tacos and Chick-fil-A and Doritos and cake at like 1030 at night. It's hard work. And if anybody ever tells you you need to get in shape and you have a body a little more like mine, just remember round is a shape. Okay? (laughs) And I've set a goal of working out and trying to get healthy and trying to be healthier, just like probably all of you this year. And yet I've done what probably some of you have done. I went to the gym once so far this month. Anybody else? Yeah. And the worst part about it is I saw one of you there. (laughs) Guilty as charged. But I made a goal this year. Instead of trying to say, like, I'm going to go to the gym every day, which won't happen, or I'll go three days a week, which hopefully by the end of the year happens, right? Instead, I said, I'm going to do push-ups every night before bed. And I said, I'm going to start with 10 every day for the first week, and then I'll do 12 every day for a week, and then 14. And I've missed a couple of days, but it's been a pretty good challenge so far because 10 push-ups is really hard for this body. (laughs) I'm at 16 this week and it's even harder. But what I've found is that just by doing a little bit every time, this imperfect body begins to be able to do a little more. And yet, it also really hurts. See, I made the mistake of doing an arm day at the gym on Friday, the first time all month of working out, and I still had push-ups to do that evening. And then the next day, I still had kids who wanted to be held and picked up. And if you've ever worked out and you're not in the habit of working out, maybe you know, like two days later is the worst. And so I woke up this morning and my arm was like stuck in this position because I slept funny. And I thought, that's not good. So all morning long, I'm like stretching out going, I know my kids are going to want me to hold them. It'll be okay. Do you have a body kind of like mine? No matter how hard you try or forget to try, it's just not quite perfect. And some of us, our imperfect bodies are more than just a little rounder than we'd like or a little weaker than we'd like. Our imperfect bodies are sicknesses and pain and things that we can do nothing about. Maybe they're things you've dealt with your entire life. Chronic pain or or, or problems you were born with genetic illness. Maybe your sickness, your imperfect body is something brand new. You got a diagnosis and you're saying, now what, God? How do I live with this? Maybe it's not you, but your friends and your family. 
then no matter how hard you try, they continue to be sicker and sicker and their age continues to show more and more and dementia continues to take the fond memories they have with you. How do we live with our imperfect bodies? Well, today we're going to encounter a story in scripture of a man who was born broken. And uh, clearly God is wanting to say something this morning because I picked this scripture and uh, after picking the scripture and beginning to prepare for today, uh, I heard from a friend of mine, someone here at the point, whose nephew is likely dying from cancer in his early 30s. And last week they went to go and say goodbye in Houston and his nephew miraculously was able to leave the hospital and preach at the church where he is a pastor. And he preached in this very same text. And I didn't know that until after I had said, this is what we need to talk about today. And then earlier this week, I was on Facebook on Wednesday and somebody else in here posted on Facebook a whole like devotion they had written, they had thought about from this very same text. And I thought, okay, God, what are you saying? Like, why does this keep coming up? Well, I think it's because our broken bodies cause us not only a lot of physical pain, but a lot of emotional pain. And when we're experiencing pain, it's really easy to say, God, where are you? How come you're not fixing this? Why have you left me in this place? God has something so much more for you and for me, even in the midst of our pain. So where we're at today is John chapter 9. If you would like to follow along, you're welcome to it. If you don't have a Bible with you, feel free to use your phone and pull up a Bible app or the Bible on the internet. It's uh, readily available today. So this is the story of Jesus. It says this, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Hold on just a moment. My imperfect body is still fighting a cold my kids gave me. So, the joy of kids. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, there's a very real dilemma for the disciples of Jesus. As they're going to the temple to worship, here is a man outside of the temple, a man not welcomed in the temple because he was physically imperfect, a man who wasn't allowed to be in that place because of his blindness, a man dependent upon everybody else. It says he was born that way. His entire life, he was dependent upon everybody else. He couldn't see, and so he couldn't experience the world God created like you and I. He had to experience it in part through what other people told him. Here's this man blind from birth, and the disciples ask a really tough question. Why did this happen, God? Does he deserve it? Is it punishment for what his parents did? Like, did they do something wrong to cause this for him? Why did this happen? And the uncomfortable truth here is this question's not a bad question. In fact, there's all kinds of times where I cause things to my body. Like when I know I shouldn't have a second or third portion, but it was really delicious and I choose to eat it, I know that I'm working against my efforts to lose weight. 
When I choose to have too much to drink and I have a hangover the next day, I caused that. There are plenty of times where our actions can cause us physical pain. But there's also times where it has nothing to do with us. All throughout the Old Testament, God warns that our sins will be passed on to future generations. And that our sins have physical consequences for other people. Maybe you have a dad who was an alcoholic. Is alcoholism a challenge for you? Something you battle? Maybe you have a dad or a mom who is really angry and abusive. Are you prone to be angry and abusive at times? See, other people's sin harms us. And it's not wrong to say, did somebody else cause this for this man? But these disciples, they're asking this question, not only to say why, but also, God, we, we want to make sure that you're a good God. I mean, picture a God who would say, this man is innocent, he's done nothing wrong, and yet he's going to suffer in this way. Why would God let an innocent man suffer? Anybody ever ask that question? If he's done nothing wrong, surely he would not be sick. So if he's blind, he cannot see. Somebody must have sinned somewhere. And then Jesus answers. And before we share too much of his answer, there's this reality we need to face. Oftentimes when we deal with suffering and pain and things that don't make sense, our temptation is to let God off the hook. Say, God, you surely would never permit that or allow that. This must not be from you. We feel the need to defend God. And so we say things to people who are hurting that are really, really stupid. We say things like, I'm sorry you miscarried. It was just time for that baby to go. God needed that child. It'll be okay. They're not suffering now. What? The fact that something good could happen, like they're no longer suffering, doesn't take away from the reality that they are. And we have to be careful in reading this because Jesus' answer can lead us to think that God believes the ends justify the means. So if God does really terrible things to you and I so that good comes from it, is that okay? No. Terrible things are terrible things, always. But this is Jesus' answer. Why did this happen? It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. He says, look, I am doing something. What he goes on to say is, right now is a season, a time where I can work and show you God. So I'm going to do that in this man. Jesus isn't saying, hey, it's really good that he's been blind for 20 some years so that right now in this moment I can suddenly make it right. He's not saying it's really good that your child was born with disabilities so that someday it could all work out. No, he's not saying our sickness and our broken bodies are good. But what he's saying is even when they're not good, God's going to do something really good. In the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our imperfection, in the midst of everything that is falling apart, God is still there. For this man specifically, through miraculous healing, but we'll get there. Before we do, what, where is God in the midst of our imperfection 
and our broken bodies. See, because Jesus isn't walking through this room today doing what he's about to do for this man in the same way. Like he's not here touching us physically where we can hug him and then suddenly we're healed. He's not here where we can reach out and touch the edge of his garment and suddenly everything's better like he was then. So where is he for us when that miracle seems so far away? When that sickness continues? It says in 2 Corinthians, Corinthians this promise. In chapter 4, first it says this. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. The apostle Paul, he's writing to the church. He says, look, we have gone through some heavy stuff. We've experienced all kinds of pain and suffering. Our bodies are physically being worn out. They're being exhausted. We are suffering, but we're not destroyed. A little bit later in the same chapter, he says this, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. You and I are in a place where our bodies are imperfect. And for some of us, that's okay. It's not really affecting our day-to-day living. But for others, it is hard to get out of bed in the morning. It is hard to get up and do the things you love to do, to be with the people you love to be with. For others, we see that final day coming Soon, when perhaps our life is drawing near an end. It says, do not lose heart. Even though we're wasting away, God is renewing us every day. Where is God when our bodies are broken and sick and sinful and, and filled with all kinds of pain? He's here. Renewing our heart and our mind to trust him anyway. It goes on, it says this. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Paul writes, he says, look, this momentary affliction, it's temporary. In the grand scheme of the life God has for you, if you live to be a hundred years filled with suffering, A hundred years where your body never does what it should do. Where you have all kinds of physical conditions, maybe blindness like this man. Do those things suck? Yes. But they're just momentary. And these things will pass. And the thing that God is preparing for us is this eternal glory beyond all comparison. He's preparing for us this promise that our very bodies will be made new. That the people you love who have died because of cancer will be made new. And you will hold them again. And you will hug them again. And the things you enjoyed in your youth that you used to do and you can't do now because your knees are too bad or your hips are too bad. The promises, the resurrection to come, the life everlasting, you can do those things then forever with no pain and no sickness and no suffering forever he goes on the apostle paul describes a physical ailment of his own in chapter 12 he talks about what he describes as a thorn in his flesh we we don't know what this thorn in his flesh was 
Paul describes this thorn that he experiences and he says it's persistent. It's something from the devil that keeps coming against him. Now, most commonly, scholars believe that perhaps what it was that he was experiencing was his eyes were failing him. In fact, we have manuscripts of him writing these letters. And we can see the letters as he gets older, the handwriting gets worse. Almost as if he couldn't see the paper he was writing on. Perhaps this thorn that he's dealing with is his vision that is failing. Perhaps some speculate this thorn that he's dealing with is a struggle with sexuality. Who am I? And how does who I am fit with who God says I am? Some believe that perhaps his struggle, the reason he was still single for his whole life, was because he didn't know where he fit in God's plan. And he said, God, this is the thorn in my flesh that brings me pain. Others believe that the thorn in his flesh was not a physical thing or an emotional identity thing, but the thorn in his flesh deep inside that was tearing him apart were people coming against him in persecution, people coming against him trying to hinder the work that God was doing, people who were dead set on saying, Paul, you're wrong. Perhaps that was his thorn in his flesh. Maybe it was a physical ailment, maybe an emotional wound, maybe it was the pain of people who hated him. But whatever that thorn was, this is what he says about it. Three times, I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. Three times I went back and said, God, take this away from me. Whatever this pain, whatever the suffering, whatever the sorrow, take it away. But this is God's response. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. I don't know what you're struggling with today. I don't know the ways in which your imperfect bodies or the imperfect bodies of the ones you love are causing you pain. And I don't know if God will release healing upon that and it will go away or not. But just as he said it to Paul, he'll say it to you, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. It's completely opposite of the way this world works. See, we see power as that which can overcome all weakness, strength and might, something bigger and better and greater than anything else. But God says, my power is perfect in weakness. See, when you and I are at our wit's end, when our bodies fail us, when the ones we love are slowly dying, when there's nothing we can do to fix it, God says, I will be more than enough for you. I will show you my power in the way that I work in your heart and your mind and I strengthen you to endure one more day. If you've ever battled depression, maybe you know this. Some days getting out of bed is the biggest thing you can do that day. Some days the only strength you have is the ability to get up and show up when there's nothing left in you to give. His power is made perfect in your weakness. When you've got nothing left to give to the people around you, he's there with you to say, I'm here for you. I've got this. It'll be okay. 
And maybe it won't be okay tomorrow. Maybe it won't be okay in several weeks. But right now, in this moment, in your moment of weakness where there's nothing else you can do, I'm here for you. My power and my love for you is enough. Paul goes on, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. He says, look, I will celebrate just how imperfect I am. I cannot do this. I don't have the strength within me. I'm not capable of fixing this mess, but I will boast about that. Because even when nothing goes the way it should, God is for me and his grace is enough. So coming back to the story in John chapter 9, here's this man who's blind. Who sinned to cause this? Does this man deserve the suffering he's going through? Is this punishment for somebody else's actions? Why would God allow this evil thing to happen? And Jesus says, look, God is going to be made known through this. I'm going to work in this. And then he does something kind of disgusting because Jesus often does things I would not do. He spits in the dirt and he makes some mud and he rubs the mud on the dude's eyes. Picture that. Like, you come to me and say, Pastor, I'm struggling with cancer. What do I do? I'm like, don't worry about this. And I rub, rub that loogie into the dirt. I'm like, you'll be okay now. <laughs> no, I won't. And I need a new pastor. <laughs> Jesus spits in the mud and takes that mud and rubs it on the guy's eyes. And then he says this. He, he, he spat on it with, and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. I also find that really interesting. See, Jesus, when he spat in the mud, something I would not do, it's kind of like in Genesis where God took the dirt and the mud and out of that mud he created life. Here's a man who is blind, who cannot see. And out of the dirt, Jesus gives him new life to his eyes. Jesus says, go and wash and then you'll see. The healing didn't happen for the man the moment he met Jesus. It didn't happen the moment Jesus started talking to him. No, Jesus said, here you go, I will be enough. Now go and wash and be made clean. And he goes and he cleans his eyes. In a pool that means scent. And as I was thinking about this, I thought about what happens next. See, in the story as it goes on, uh, they begin to say, hey, isn't this the man who was blind? Like now he can see what happened. And some say, oh, no, 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 that was a different man. Now, this man was never blind. They begin to deny that it ever happened. Others say, well, how could it be? And he goes, I don't know how it happened, but this Jesus came and now I can see. I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense, but Jesus did it. And the Pharisees get really mad because they didn't want Jesus doing things that they didn't like and they didn't understand. And you'll find this in your life too. When, when you're really suffering, going through a hard time, and yet you have peace, there will be people like, shouldn't you be more mad about this? No, it's going to be Okay. Well, don't you want to do something about it? No, there's nothing I can do. It'll be okay. These Pharisees were mad because it didn't make sense to them and their worldview. And so they said, who did this? And, and so he's like, well, this Jesus guy, he did it. So they went to the dude's parents. and like, wasn't he blind from birth? Yeah. Well, how can he see now? 
And the parents are afraid of what they might do. Like, we don't know. Go ask him. He's a grown man. Like, he can figure it out. They go back to the blind man. And they're like, hey, how is it you can see? And he says, uh, for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, whether Jesus is sinful or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Look, I, I don't know how this came to happen, how this healing happens. I don't know how I have the strength to get out of bed today. I don't know how I can love my neighbor when I'm feeling miserable myself. I don't know how in my imperfect body I can still honor God. What I do know is God's doing a good thing. He's done a good thing, and I'll just trust in what he's done, and I'll hope in that. This man is healed as he goes with Jesus to a place where he's sent. I think for you and I, a lot of our healing in times of suffering, in times of pain, in times where our bodies physically and mentally and emotionally can't handle what this world is throwing at us, God says, just go where I'm sending you and trust in me as you go. Go where I'm sending, it'll be okay. And some days may be easier than others. And maybe we receive some of that healing we're looking forward to. Maybe we don't. But there's a promise that we need to hold to. In Revelation, the whole book describes the coming of the Lord. And in chapter 20 and 21, (coughs) he describes when he comes that there will be no more sickness or sorrow, no more tears or pain, no more death. And he describes what that will be like. The very end of the book. The final words of God to us, his people. He says, behold, I'm coming soon. Behold, I'm coming soon. And John and the church and the spirit and all the people begin to cry out, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. And the Bible ends here. He who testifies to these things, that is John, the one who has this vision of God making all of our broken bodies whole. He says, surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. For you and for me, when our sin is overwhelming, when our bodies are broken, whether it's because we sinned or not, when we're suffering in this world, this is our cry. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Because on that day when he returns... He will take away all of our sickness and all of our brokenness and all of our imperfect bodies will be transformed in the blinking of an eye to be perfect bodies forever. But until that day, we go where he sends us. And when we meet people who are suffering and struggling, whose bodies are broken and their sickness is overwhelming, who cannot see or are blind from birth, when we meet people in this place, we don't ask God, why have you done that? But now we say, what now, God? What are you doing now through that and with that? And we get to be the people who offer hope and comfort and say, I know you're broken and hurting right now. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. It'll be okay. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that our imperfect bodies will be made new. That while we await that transformation, you are making us new internally every day. You are changing our heart and our minds that we can trust in you even as things fall apart.
You are giving us strength for one more day, one more act of love, one more doctor's visit. You're giving us hope when all hope seems lost. God, we thank you that in our imperfect bodies, we can trust fully in your love, that your grace is sufficient for us, that you have given your body to be broken, that we could be made whole. You've given your body to suffer, that there would be an end to all of our suffering. God, we pray today that you would send us like this blind man, that even as we still await that healing, as we need your power to move in our weakness, would you send us, Lord, to those who are hurting, to those who are broken, to those who don't yet know how great your love is. God, can your power be made known through our weakness as we declare we cannot fix this, but we love you. We're here for you, and so is God. We thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you're doing. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, Point. How's everybody doing? Hey. So my name's Nick, for those of you who don't know. Um, I am a member of the finance team here at The Point. Now, those of you who were at the little uh, budget meeting that we had on Monday already know what I'm about to say, but as a church, we've decided to be more transparent with how we spend and more direct with the way that we ask for gifts of giving. One of those ways is a uh, conference that's coming up called Best, Con Best Practices. Sorry. Best Conference. Best Conference Practice. <laughs> Um, it's, a, it's a really good conference for Adam and Emily to go to. It focuses on kind of rejuvenating their spirit and also teaching them best practices to connect people to Jesus. As you guys know, that's the point of our church is to connect people to Jesus. So we feel that this is uh, an expenditure worthwhile. However, uh, we would like to come to you all as a congregation. And if you're here prepared to give today, we'd like you to consider the potential of sponsoring Emily and Adam to go to this conference. The cost is about $400 a person or $800 total. And I and them, we really believe that they'll gain a lot from this. Um, and not just that, but we'll see a benefit within our church and our community from the things that they learn and take away from that conference. So if you came today prepared to give, you can do so at thepointknox.com. You can kind of earmark your gift as a sponsorship for Emily or Adam or both uh, to go. Or you can just give like normal. Hit the little blue button and uh, help support everything else that we're doing in our community, like breaking Fletcher's stuff and <laughs> working with the community coalition, Wingfest, Brewfest, Bar Church, all the things that we do to connect Every penny that you give goes straight there. And we as a church are going to be more open and transparent with how we spend that money to better enrich our communities. Go Jesus. <laughs>
We love offering that class here uh, at The Point. If you would like to learn how to take control of your finances, learn how to do them better, how to have better conversations about your finances that you're not fighting about money, that class is awesome. And we're starting the next one on the 11th of February. That's a Tuesday night. There'll be Tuesday nights from 6.30 to 8.30. Childcare is available. And the really cool thing is right now, if you take the class through 2020, we have a grant available that uh, at the end of the class, you get 100% of your money back. So if you sign up to take it, you pay up front, and then when you complete eight out of nine classes, all of your money's returned. So not only do you get the information and the accountability, the encouragement, but you get that little jump start of here's some money back to keep you going in this positive direction. And it's wonderful. Now we had a lot of questions that came in today. Um, some really good ones. Uh, the first, does the star that helped guide the wise men still shine in the, the sky today? I have no idea. Um, but what we do know from the story is that whatever it was with the star, something unique happened, uh, that the way it was shining was very different than it would be shining today. So maybe it's still shining, but it's not the same. All right. Um, next, uh, there are two people that, that shared a very similar question. And so I'll, I'll read one cause it's shorter, but they're both, um, really good. And, uh, this question is, uh, no matter how hard I try, I continue to not feel connected at church. No matter how many times I come to church or how many churches I've been a part of, it doesn't feel like home. How do I overcome that? I have a hard time getting to know people. Well, I think to uh, have a church feel like home, you need uh, two things. First, you need to be vulnerable. The church needs to be a safe space where you can share your hurts and your struggles, your pains, and say, I know that with this pain, I'm not going to be an outcast. And so if you're here and you want to get more involved and you don't know how to make friends, I'm going to volunteer every person on the stage. Surprise. You're welcome. Um, Voluntelling, if you'd like. Uh, we will all gladly grab coffee with you at any time or beer, if that's your thing, we will grab lunch with you. We'll just sit and hear your story and get to know you a little better and help you connect with somebody else and help you find a, a safe group of people uh, that you can be vulnerable with and say, I'm not okay, and that's okay. And then second, not only do you need vulnerability, uh, one of the things about our culture as a whole is that's really unhealthy is we think if you're struggling, the best solution is to focus more on you. But psychologically, it's the exact opposite. When you're struggling, focus your attention elsewhere. The more you can begin to help somebody else, the more you're going to begin to deal with those things you're walking through. And so the way we do that here is we have impact teams, opportunities for you to make a difference in the lives of others, either if you're musically talented up here or in the lobby or during the week, ways that you can serve with your talents alongside other people who love you and make a difference. So if you want this church to feel like home, uh, every one of us would love to help you make it feel like home. And we'd love to be there with you and hear your story and, and walk with you through this journey and let you know that you're loved. And we're really glad you're here. Uh, next, let's see. I, if I miss any, because there's a bunch, please forgive me. Um, let's see. Uh, one thing that seems imperfect is people who call out the sins of others. And there's a few examples here listed. Uh, how can Christians say that they're loving when they also say some people like the LGBTQ community are, are sinful? Uh, 
Well, I think that the, the difficult thing is we are called to speak the truth in love. And our natural response is we want to speak the truth or we want to love. Uh, we don't often want to do both. And so there are people who sinfully and wrongly call out and condemn others without having any context of love or relationship. And that's not what we're about. We believe every one of us is broken and sins in various ways. And so we're going to walk with you in love through whatever your different sin is. All right. Um, what can we do against generational sin? I think pray and uh, receive forgiveness. I'll gladly meet with you to talk about what your family is dealing with um, and, and help you find where to go from there. Uh, let's see. Seriously, there's a lot. I don't think we've ever had this many. <laughs> One thing we, didn't, we need to remember is God doesn't let bad things happen. God is not evil. The devil is evil. The reason bad things happen is because of sin in the world. Um, God is always there for us amidst the sin. God is always good. And you're absolutely right. We live in a totally broken world. And God is here with us. Um, to one of the other questions, I think, sorry. Um, <laughs> they go kind of hand in hand. Like, how can this evil continue if he's one? Anybody in here a history buff? Okay, just me. <laughs> a couple of us. Anybody know what World War II was? Yeah. Okay, good. A few more of us. There's some of you who don't, so let's talk. Okay, it's kind of a big deal. It happened. It was important. Um, but World War II, history buffs say that when you look back on World War II, the war was decisively won in two battles. The Battle of D-Day in Europe and the Battle of Midway in the Pacific Front. Those two battles, single-handedly, they say that turned the tide and won the war. And yet more people died after those battles than before. There was still great battle that struggled or, or war that went on. Even after the victory, they say that was the decisive moment. Jesus is our decisive moment against evil. His death determined victory has happened. But we still press on knowing that sometimes there will be pain and suffering until he returns. So we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. When is the Best Practices Conference and when do you need to register? Well, it's free to register. So we registered like three months ago just to save a spot. And uh, we're already registered, but we can always cancel that because somebody will gladly come in because it fills up every year. In fact, I got an email the other day that said there are 12 spots remaining. So I'm sure I could find somebody to fill those, or our spots if we don't go. But it is uh, late February, so coming up in about a month. Um, what is the literal translation of hallelujah? I don't know. I'll get back to you. Hallelujah? Is that the literal translation of hallelujah? Um, I'll get back to you on that one. Uh, how often do you baptize people? I was baptized when I was young, but I want to renew my vows to Jesus again. Uh, well, we will baptize people here anytime, all the time. We love baptism. It's really, really great. Um, we can do it here. We can go to a really cold lake. We'll do it wherever you want. I'll do it in your bathtub if you want, all right? That's fine. Um, but how often should you get baptized? Well, it says in Scripture, we only need one baptism. So if you were baptized as a child, but you don't remember it, uh, that's okay. It still happened. Anybody remember your birth? <laughs> right? Like, I don't remember my birth, but I know it happened. Um, I will gladly remind you of your baptism. We'd love to remind you on Sunday morning. Say, hey, we're not doing it again. Just like you're not getting born again physically, but we're reminding you what God has already done in you. Um, anytime, just come talk to me. If I missed your question, uh, feel free to text it in again because there are like a bunch here. <laughs> or feel free to uh, 
text me directly, 402-681-5708. I think it's on the website somewhere. If not, come ask me and I'll give it to you in person, all right? Uh, everything we do here is to connect the disconnected to a growing and reproducing relationship with Jesus. We believe that God's love is good and it's for you and it's for me. And it's for the people around us who don't yet know. So with that, I want to give you this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. And may you go with the confidence that his power is made perfect in all of your weakness. Amen. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. at the Regal Downtown West Cinema 8 located at 1640 Downtown West Boulevard. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.